Welcome to our podcast on TB diagnosis presented to you by the European Respiratory Society. Our aim today is to highlight two interesting articles on diagnosing tuberculosis. I'm Anka Stigmaier-Petroianu, the press officer for the ERS. I'm pleased to be speaking to tuberculosis expert Professor Giovanni Battista Migliori. He is the head of the Respiratory Infections Assembly of the ERS and director of the WHO Collaborating Center for TB and Lung Disease in Tradate, Italy. Welcome, Professor Migliori. Thank you very much. I'm very happy to be with you today. In the January edition of the European Respiratory Journal, two reviews and meta-analysis are dedicated to evaluating interferon gamma release assays, abbreviated EGRAS, in the diagnosis of tuberculosis. One deals with the diagnosis of latent TB, while the other focuses on active TB. Professor Migliori, can you explain for us the difference between active tuberculosis and latent tuberculosis and the implication of this difference for the various testing methods? Uh, yes, thank you. This is a very important and key questions and uh, in order to do it I will refer to concepts that are very well summarized in the recent manuscripts of the European Respiratory Journal published in 2009 by uh, 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 TBNet Group and the, uh, Ulrich Mack is the first author and it's uh, let's say focused on what uh, latent infection is. So the, 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 traditionally tuberculosis that is a disease is, uh, let's say, characterized by duplication of bacilli. So we have the bacilli duplicating, growing. Um, Why infection is a condition, not a disease. The individual is not a patient, is an individual, is perfectly fine. But it uh, hosts uh, bacilli, which are in a dormant stage. It's important to, to remind, and we'll, let's say, come back to this uh, concept later, that lifetime risk to develop tuberculosis disease given infection is 10% in immunocompetent uh, individuals, while in a, let's say, uh, immunocompromised and in HIV, uh, that are this is the most important group of immunocompromised individuals, this is up to, to 50%. The second part of the question, let's say the, the main issue to diagnose tuberculosis disease is microbiology. So all the recommendation emphasize that uh, we, we, we need to use uh, the different microbiological tools, starting from the old but still very important sputosmia culture. And now we have uh, the genetic amplification methods and among them a very new one that is very important, very promising, and uh, we'll discuss maybe later about it, the so-called so, so gene expert method. But this microbiology needs to be uh, combined with uh, imaging so uh, traditional just radiograph and uh, TC eventually uh, with the clinical uh, picture of the patients and uh, with the clinical history. So it should be a comprehensive approach to the patient. The issue of infection is a bit more complicated as we need uh, to detect an adaptive immune response towards microbacterial antigens. And this is only an indirect measure representing a kind of footprint of a contact of the immune system with these organisms. This means that uh, what we indirectly call Latin infection is a condition in which a test, that is the TST or the eager test, testifies a contact that occurred uh, sometimes in the past. We traditionally say that infection represents status where dormant bacilia in the lungs and that disease represents their replication. In reality, the, the test, TST or EGRA, tells us 
that the contact occurred, but cannot tell us if li- living bacilli are, are still there in the lungs. So if there are no bacilli in the lungs, uh, living bacilli in the lungs, there is no risk of reactivation. If the bacilli are there at the dormant stage, the patient has this risk. But really nobody knows with the methods we have now, uh, which is the real condition once we have a positive test. So do we have a lasting TB immune response among brackets or a real, among brackets, latent TB infection? This is the real question. And the two tests, we will discuss briefly about this later, works on a different principle. So the Mantu is very old, more than one century old. And it's uh, uh, give us an intradermal, in, uh, after intradermal injection, and an induration that is measured in millimeters, while the egress are detecting uh, the gamma interferon, which is produced by the lymphocytes. And we'll see we have the two different tests that uh, works on this method. So you already touched on some of the limitations of the traditional Mantu tuberculin skin test. In many countries, a high proportion of patients have been exposed to BCG vaccinations. How does prior vaccination affect test results? Uh, thank you. This is uh, also a very, very, uh, let's say, topical question. And uh, I need here to explain uh, just a little bit more how the TST works. It measures a delayed delayed uh, type hypersensitivity response using the so-called PPD, that is purified protein derivative, that is an antigen mixture. As a consequence of the development of uh, an immunological memory against mycobacteria antigens, a skin induration appears, having a maximum after 72 hours. And uh, there is also a standard bunch of this uh, PPD, the so-called PPD-RT23 Copenhagen, uh, that has been developed and recommended by WHO for epidemiological purposes. Um, the main limitations of this, this very old test uh, is both in terms of phase positive and in terms of phase negative results. In terms of phase-positive results, the main one uh, are two. One is the cross-reaction with the atypical microbacteria, the MOT. And the second, as you have correctly, uh, let's say, mentioned in the question, is prior BCG vaccination, as this gives uh, phase-positive results as well. And and we know that only individuals in Ibarden counties are substantially now uh, BCG vaccinated. So, this cannot cannot be uh, used uh, well in, in this country sufficiently. In terms of its negative results, uh, the, the main problems are associated with cellular immunodeficiency as well as with technical deficiency. So the, the typical technical deficiency is a problem in the cold chain uh, because uh, um, tobacco should be should be stored in, in a fridge. Uh, we know sometimes in Africa this uh, may be a problem and during transplantation this cold chain can be broken. And the main examples on, on let's say, uh, problems associated with, with cellular immunodeficiency are, for example, a recent uh, severe viral infection. So typically in Africa, it's measles in, in children or severe debilitating diseases, for example, cancer or um, systemic administration of high-dose cortisone that is, is uh, necessary for some diseases. The same uh, pulmonary tuberculosis in advanced uh, stage can give this problem, sarcoidosis, severe malnutrition in Africa, and uh, also technical errors. As uh, is, is well known that uh, the, the reading should be standardized and the, the different people should should uh, limit the inter and intra-observed variation that can 
has been described to be associated with the reading of, of Mantu. And also there is a, a technical issue related to the problem of balancing errors in sensitivity against this specificity and requiring different cutoffs. For example, if the normal cutoff is more than 10 millimeters in duration in normal individuals, so immunocompetent, in HIV positive, um, this should be reduced to 5 millimeters. And then, of course, having different cutoffs complicates the use for, for the clinician. How do screening recommendations for TB differ across Europe? Screening recommendations are based on a common uh, framework represented by the uh, Wolfese Initiative. Wolfese is the name of the village where since 1990, European experts and representatives of the different European countries met together with WHO and then the Union and KNCV every year to design a TB control frame suitable for Italy. Um, the ERJ uh, published all these main uh, documents and some of them has been also published in the recent uh, TB series. Uh, the key documents uh, are the document on surveillance that was published in 1996, uh, the, the, the document on the screening of immigrants published in 1994, the standardization of print outcome evaluation published in 1998, and the new framework for tuberculosis elimination published in 2002. In addition, there are ECDC, ECDC is the European Center for Disease Control, uh, ECDC requirements for surveillance, which indirectly influence the screening policies. So let's define what screening is. Um, all uh, European countries as a policy of screening uh, risk groups, and as group is say, generically defined as at significantly higher risk than the general population. Then uh, we might have uh, um, a need to screen for TB disease or to screen for TB infection. So if we screen, uh, we, we, we need to screen for TB um, uh, disease, then the main risk groups are, uh, of course, uh, recent con contacts, uh, prisoners, and uh, also individuals uh, affected with HIV and other comorbidities, and immigrants as well. If we screen for TB disease, this is part of the so-called TB control strategy. So the TB control strategy is a strategy uh, designed to detect uh, sources of infection, the infectious cases, to diagnose them rapidly and rendering them rapidly non-infectious through appropriate treatment. But Europe, in the full phase in 1990, committed for tuberculosis elimination. And this is a much more aggressive approach aimed at diagnosis the individuals infected, not disease, infected. So ideally, the truly infected, so those having the dormant bacilli, and then sterilizing through treatment of latent tuberculosis infection in order to prevent future cases of tuberculosis to occur. And these tests are, of course, crucial to support the TB elimination strategy. ECDC, based on the results of the manuscripts we are discussing, is just now, in collaboration also with ERS, uh, developing uh, European guidelines on this. So could you mention again which conditions are associated with a high risk of progression from latent tuberculosis to active tuberculosis? Yes, the lifetime risk to develop TB disease-given infection is 10% in immunocompetent normal, let's say, individuals, and is up to 50% 
in HIV-infected uh, individuals. So immunosuppression, immunodepression is the most powerful factor. But there are also existing comorbidities that play a role in this. And if we call risk equal to one, an old infection, so an infection that occurred seven years ago, okay? So the recent, recently acquired infection, so someone who has been infected by less than one year recent, infection as a relative risk of 20. This means it has 20 times higher risk that this infection becomes disease if it is recent. Traditional comorbidities like silicosis has a relative risk of 30, 30 times higher risk of developing disease if silicosis is there, 20 times higher risk is if cancer is there, 10 times higher risk if diabetes is there, five times higher risk if malnutrition is there. But the top high relative risk is that of HIV infection, in which this risk is up to 100 or even more times higher. And uh, this depends on the uh, CD4 cell count, so on the level of the immunosuppression. So coming back to the topic of the articles, how do interferon gamma release assays work? And how do they compare to the tuberculin skin test? Okay, thank you very much. I think this, this question is important uh, to, to better understand uh, uh, the manuscripts and, and the issue. There are two commercially available tests. They demonstrate the presence on, of antimicrobacterial immune responses against the so-called RD1, the region of difference 1, encoded early secretory antigenic target, the so-called AZ6, and culture-filtered protein, SFP10. The region of difference one is present in genoma of all members of the mycobacterium tuberculosis complex, apart from, this is very important, the BCG substrains of mycobacterium bovis and the majority of the environmental mycobacteria. This is uh, the, the concept. So we have two families of tests, the quantiferon family and the T-spot family. The quantiferon family is based on ELISA, that is the direct measure of interferon gamma concentration in the whole blood. And we have the quantiferon TBB gold and the quantiferon TB gold in tube. They have a slightly different technical, uh, let's say, principle, but they were still on the ELISA, both. And then we have the TB spot TB, um, the so-called early spot enzyme-linked immunospot assay, allowing direct enumeration of the frequency of interferon gamma secreting cells. So there are all these spots and we can count the spots. The advantages of FIGRA of TST are that uh, they have a negative and inbuilt negative control, allowing assessment of non-specific background reactivity, and a positive uh, control, allowing to discriminate the true negative response from energy. In immunocompromised patients, we have seen HIV, immunosuppressive therapy, uh, chronic renal failure, and so on. We've discussed about it before. IGRAS is more specific and sensitive than TST, the specificity, specificity of IGRA is much superior to the specificity of TST in BCG vaccinated individuals. Those are the key, uh, let's say, uh, features of the test. Thank you. You are an author in both reviews analyzing the use of IGRAs in active and in latent TB. Could you summarize the main results for us? Yes. So the first manuscript is uh, on e the IGRA on latent tuberculosis infection. And uh, the, the manuscript has four main conclusions, let's say. 
the first one is that IGRA show higher specificity than TSD. The second is that the negative predictive value when using a patient with active tuberculosis as a surrogate for latent infection is high. The third is that the ability of IGRA to predict that the test negative individual will not develop TB is also high and is better in Ellisport than in Quantifron. The four is that the predictive value for progression to active disease when testing positive is higher for rigor and TST. So, in a way, uh, in Europe, in BCG vaccinated individual, IGRAs uh, are the first choice. The second is the role that IGRA plays on diagnosis disease. And there are, let's say, three plus one main conclusions. The first one is that although diagnostic sensitivity of both IGRAs was higher than TST for diagnosing of TB disease, it was still not high enough to use IGRAs as a rule-out test for tuberculosis. The second is that specificity of IGRA for diagnosis of TB is lower than previously reported and is inadequate to distinguish between infection and disease. The third is that Alispot on extrasanguineous fluids is the best immunodiagnostic method for diagnosis of acute TB we have. And the fourth is, in a way, the combination of one or two IGRAs with TST and eventually with smear and eventually with Chexis ray can be good to rule out tuberculosis, but this is still a little bit preliminary. Do you think there is a future for the use of IGRAs on specimens other than blood? Yes, yes, absolutely. Uh, this is one of the main positive findings of these studies. And of course, more research is needed and larger studies are necessary, of course, uh, being sure that there is consistency over the different fluids used, the different methodologies used, and so on. So what alternative diagnostic methods could be used in patients with negative sputum results? HIV has enormously uh, increased the proportion of sputosmia-negative patients in settings where HIV is highly prevalent and ARV are not routinely available. WHO, with this last recommendation of STAG, STAG is the Strategic Technical Advisory Group, is the main scientific uh, advisory body um, which is, let's say, providing uh, support to the Director General uh, in terms of strategy has clearly underlined the future of improved diagnosis rely on better use of microbiology. And we have now a new tool that has been recently endorsed by STAG and then by all the main organizations, extremely brilliant, the so-called gene expert that allows in less than two hours, in one hour and 45 minutes, to tell us whether the case uh, we are testing is tuberculosis and if it is resistant to rifampicin. As the monoresistant to rifampicin is very rare, a case which is rifampicin resistant is very likely to be MDR. So we have the possibility in less than two hours to know if the case is MDR and likely to be MDR with high sensitivity and specificity. So we are speaking about values that are more than 95%. The cost of the test is, is low, it's uh, less than 20 US dollars, let's say even $17 probably is the projection. So the future will probably rely on the vector and, and strong integration between the clinicians and public health specialists and uh, by the, uh, let's say, uh, use, uh, widespread use, global use of gene expert included in improved diagnostic algorithms. Thank you very much, Professor Migliori, for this excellent overview. 
we now have a clearer understanding of where IGRAS fit into the diagnostic algorithm of latent and active tuberculosis and also of the possibilities for improving testing in the future. Thank you.